day number three of fasting and prayer. Listen, I'm, I'm fasting and praying because I'm believing God for some things as well. I'm believing God for some things as well. Amen. And on the third day of fasting and prayer, man, we experienced a mega breakthrough. Come on, I've been crying out to God with my wife. We've been believing God for some things. Anybody knows what I'm talking about here? I've been believing God for some things. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You guys are all doing well over there. Listen, I'm your pastor, but I've been, I've been crying out to God, believing God for some things. And God did a major breakthrough by Friday night, but I'm believing God for more. Amen. Come on, keep pressing, keep pressing. Now, now, don't be saying, God, why did you do it for him and not for me? Come on, it starts from the head. As the priest, as the priest goes, so does it go in the house. Amen. Now that God has blessed me, come on, blessing is on your way. Come on, look out for it. Make a demand on heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. But we're talking about prayer. And today, with the little amount of time that I have, I want to release a secret here. And it's amazing because we've already done what I'm about to preach today. We've already done what I'm about to preach today. Prayer is waiting. Somebody say prayer is waiting. One more time. Prayer is waiting. God help me with the short amount of time that I have. But how many people know God can do something powerful in 20 minutes? Prayer is waiting. I've told a story before. There was a guy who bought a piece of land because he heard that there was gold on that piece of land. I've told you this story before. So he brought his people. They started drilling and mining and digging. But what happened was he gave up. He got tired. And he walked away. He said that he, he sold the land to somebody else. And when he sold this land to somebody else, that other person started digging and drilling right away. And in less than 24 hours, he found gold. And that other guy was so disappointed. There's, there's a picture that, uh, that tells this story. Uh, he gave up one day before his miracle. He walked away from his miracle. You don't know how many people pray and pray and pray and then walk away from their miracle because they just could not wait long enough. They just could not wait long enough. I want to give you a tweet. Prayer is like gold mining. The harder it gets, the closer you are to your breakthrough. The harder it gets, the closer you are to your breakthrough. But people give up and people walk away. Prayer is waiting. Somebody say prayer is waiting. And the challenge is we live in a generation that despises waiting. We live in a postmodernistic culture that says that waiting is a sign of lack of progress. We live in a postmodernistic culture that says that waiting is regression and not progress. And because of that, we don't know how to wait upon God and we are walking away from miracles. We complain too quickly. We give up too quickly. But prayer is waiting. Somebody say prayer is waiting. Anybody here can say you have some waiting issues? Anybody can be honest? Come on, you're going to leave me hanging? Anybody here just says, I just really, Pastor, I just really love going to the DMV. Right? I just really love being there. I read my Bible over there. I, I, th I don't like the DMV. Uh, you, they give you a ticket. It says number 15, serving D999. And you're like, oh, my God, anybody has waiting issues like me here. 
sometimes I take my little kids to the, uh, we're watching a ball game or there's a concert and we run and try to take the kids to the bathroom. I've got to go, I've got to go. And you show up there and the line is outside the door. And I'm just like, God help me, God help me. Let me say this to you, especially if you are a millennial. How many millennials do we have in the building? Anybody who was born after 1980, lift up your hand after 1980. Look at these millennials in the house of God. Come on, somebody celebrate what God is doing. Come on. Hallelujah. Celebrate this. You know why you should celebrate this? Statistics say that only 4% of millennials go to church. Not in this house. We're changing that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why if you're an older person, please don't say, I'm not going to go to that church. There's too many young people. No, you want to be a part of a church like this. You want to be able to invite your nephews and your nieces and, and your sons and the, your daughters. You want to be able to bring them to the house of God and they can come to the house of God and see other people who are passionately loving God. But if you are a millennial, I want you to know that you were raised in a generation that doesn't know how to wait. You were raised in an instant generation. You were raised in a microwave generation. Hallelujah. If you want to make a phone call, you've got a phone in your pocket. I know 10-year-old kids who've got a $600 phone in their pocket. Back in the days when I needed to make a phone call, call a little girlfriend, I had to walk to the pay phone. Anybody remembers pay phones in this place? And that thing would tell you, you have one minute to speak. You need another quarter. I don't have another quarter and you walk away you had to wait come on somebody you had to learn how to wait back in the days you didn't just download a song on itunes right you had to walk to 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 strawberries come on somebody anybody remembers tower records anybody remembers radio shock that shock is closed like an african shock Come on, you had to walk somewhere. You had to wait. And then you had to go and look for movies. And then you had to get the movie and wait in line. And then go home. And then you had to rewind that bad boy, that cassette. Because I'm not talking about DVDs. I'm talking about cassettes. And if you return that thing and you, you didn't rewind it, they'll fine you. But we waited. We waited. These days, if you want to go somewhere, you call Uber. And, and they're there in three minutes. Back in the day, you had to go do one of this. You'd be out there in the scorching sun waiting. And because of that, we're in a generation that doesn't know how to wait. We've prescribed to this cultural mentality that waiting is regression. We've been indoctrinated into this mentality that says if your husband hasn't shown up enough, hasn't showed up yet, there's something wrong with you. If your breakthrough hasn't happened yet, there's something wrong with you. If that company is not growing yet, there's something wrong with you. If this is not happening, there's something wrong with you. And you have a generation of a depressed people because you don't know how to wait. But ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, waiting upon the Lord and praying is not like downloading a song from iTunes. Praying is more like digging a well. That's why we talk about digging the wells of revival. You dig and you pound on that ground. You pound. And sometimes you find a rock and you dig through it or you go around it. Then you break water. Praying is not like making a TV dinner in your microwave. 
prayer is more like is, is more like cooking in a crock pot. You let that thing simmer and you wait and you wait and you stay right there until something breaks. Come on, I'm going to raise a generation that knows how to wait upon God. We're going to raise a generation that knows how to wait upon God. We're going to raise a generation that will stop complaining all the time. Come on, give me a break. Don't complain about this first world developing nation problems. I come from Africa. I know people with real issues. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm smiling. I'm not yelling at you, by the way. I'm just teaching a revelation. Prayer is waiting. And what just happened in this service today doesn't even happen in churches anymore. When God moves like this, we got to just move on with our program. How many people know we're here searching God? Our program is that we may find God. And when he shows up, we stop. Everything stops. I stop. I was on my knees there crying out to God because prayer is waiting. Somebody say prayer is waiting. Now, I want to teach you how to wait upon God. A lot of people that say they know how to pray, I'm sorry, they don't know how to pray. I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm not saying this to look down on anybody. I'm not saying this to be harsh. But it's the truth. And today we're going to teach from the word of God how to wait upon God and how to pray in the kind of way that releases miracles. Somebody say amen. This is going to be a praying church. This is going to be a praying church. Today I'm going to teach you very quickly here. Three principles, three stages in prayer. And I'm going to use something known as the tabernacle of Moses. Somebody say the tabernacle of Moses. One more time, the tabernacle of Moses. Here at Impact Church, we're dedicated to teaching you sound theology from the word of God. These are, these are messages sometimes that are not being preached in churches anymore. But can I get your permission to preach this kind of stuff today? Amen. Can I, one more time, can I get permission one more time? Amen. Can I get more time as well? How many people give me five minutes? Five minutes? Five, ten, twenty. Okay. I just got 20 more hours. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to make it simple. I'm going to make it very simple. I'm going to make it very simple. The tabernacle of Moses, this is how they sought God. This is how they reached out to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you need to write this. Come on, pull up your iPhone. You can pull up your Android 2 as well. But get a, get a paper and a pen, get something. You're going to want to write this. The tabernacle had three stages. The first stage was the outer courts. Somebody say the outer courts. Let's just say that this area here before the monitor is the outer courts. Somebody shout outer courts. The next stage was the inner courts. Let's just say that in between these monitors here is what? The inner courts. It was also referred to as the holy place. And then the final place was the holies of holies. Let's just say up right in front of this monitor here, this section here is the holy of holies. It was also referred to as the most holy place. Somebody say the holy of holies. So three stages. Somebody shout three. One more time. Shout three. What's this? One more time. And what's this? And what's that? Holies of holies. I want you to know that there are three major stages in the lifespan of every human being and in every arena of life, every sphere of life, whether it's family life, whether it's your business, whether it's prayer life, anything. There's three major stages. This is where you begin. 
Listen, you just got married. You are in the outer court stage. And then you go into the next level. It gets deeper. And then you go into the next level. And this is where the outpouring of God's grace is. This is the place of glory. But sadly, a lot of people never get to that place. When I finish with this message today, I'm going to prove to you that many people never finish, never get to this place. A lot of people that call themselves prayer warriors end up just in this area. That's why most marriages end in the first three years. Most people never go that far because they end up just in the outer courts. And we're going to teach you how to go deeper. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, recently I went, recently I found myself in Washington, D.C., and I noticed that I was about seven minutes away from the, from the White House. So I said, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and check out my boy. Oh, right? I'm going to, oh, man, Auntie Michelle, I'm, I'm just going to go over there and say, what's up? Maybe they'll give me a cup of tea or something. So I, I took an Uber, right? I took an Uber, and I went to the White House. Now, the truth is, I went to the house, White House. I had no appointment, right? They were not expecting me, right? I know I'm your, I'm your pastor, I'm your cool dude, I'm your man of God. But yeah, they were not expecting me, actually. So I just went there, and, and I hanged out at the gate. I took pictures, I took selfies, I FaceTimed my wife. She was like, hey! I was like, yeah, where am I, honey? White House! Is it true that I was at the White House? But was I inside? I wasn't. A lot of us say we are prayer warriors, but we're just in the outskirts. It's like coming to Impact Church and hanging out in the parking lot. You will never get the best that this church has to offer in the outer courts. Now, the outer courts is like being in the parking lot there. In the tabernacle of Moses. Put that picture up. I want to show God's people. In the tabernacle of Moses. That area out there, this was the, great, the gate here where it says eat. That was the entrance. That's where they, the priests would enter. And that was the outer courts. And after the outer courts, that little gray area there with three boxes was the inner courts. And then that other level there was the most holy place, the holies of holies. You can take the picture, you can take the picture down. But here's the, here's the imaginary. What's, what's this place again? What's here? What's there? When you start in the outer courts, it's like coming to Impact Church and you're in the parking lot. There's so many interruptions and disruptions and destructions. If you, if you came to Impact Church and just ended up in the parking lot, I mean, there'll be people walking around, people making noise, birds flying, airplanes flying, people playing sports. Sometimes there's music. You will not concentrate like you can concentrate in this room if you're outside. Is that true? And that's what happens when most people begin to pray. And this happens to everybody. This happens to everybody. Have you realized that the moment you start to pray, all of a sudden you start remembering everything else that you didn't do that you were supposed to do? Anybody? All of a sudden your brain starts to tell you, oh, you didn't shut off the iron. Maybe you forgot the keys in the ignition. All of a sudden, a phone is ringing. All these things are going on. All these disruptions. Have you realized that the moment you start to pray, all of a sudden your body tells you, I'm, I want to sleep now. Amen. You've been playing around. You've been having fun. You've been doing all this stuff. You have all the energy. But the moment you start praying, your body is being interrupted. You know why? Because you're in the outer courts. And here's what happens with most people. They hang out here. They pray a little bit. And if the disruptions and the interruptions and the distractions continue and persist, then they walk away. And I know believers who have spent a lifetime just doing this. 
just in and out and they never test the place of glory now if we're going to discover the things that we need to do in order to get to the next stage we need to find out what is it that is in the outer courts that god has provided for us to break through into the inner courts so there were two things in the outer courts somebody say two things and this is not just about prayer this is about every area of life you get married Oh my God, you're in the outer courts and there's disruptions and interruptions. My wife and I counsel a lot of young married couples. We marry these couples. They start their lives. All of a sudden, they get fired. All of a sudden, they lose a house. All of a sudden, this happens. That is breaking. That Any married couples here? Come on. Can I, do I get a witness? Stuff is happening and all kinds of things are happening. And sadly, people give up. Please don't give up. The interruptions are just a sign that you're quite next and close to the inner courts. Don't give up. It's the same with business. You start your business, all hell is breaking loose. The roof is leaking. All kinds of stuff happening. Don't give up. But you have to do two things. Somebody shout two. There are two things in the outer courts. Number one, there's an altar of sacrifice. There's an altar of thanksgiving. Write that down. There's an altar of thanksgiving. And the next thing that's in there is there's a basin. There's a, there's a basin with water. It's also known as the bronze lover. There's a, there's a basin with water. So after the priests sacrifice the animals and give God thanks, they, they then go to the basin and they wash. Thanksgiving. Somebody shout Thanksgiving. The basin, the water stands for the word of God. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. That he washes her with the word of God that he might present her to himself pure and blameless. So the washing represents the word of God and it represents the promises of God. So when you begin to pray and there's every interruption that's coming and every disruption that's coming, don't stop. Declare the thanksgiving of God and declare the promises of God. That's why most people who complain all the time, they will never get to the deep place. Because your complaining sends you in the wrong direction. Because your complaining is faith that the devil is powerful enough to succeed in his plans against you. But declaring God's thanksgiving is saying, God, I thank you. I thank you that I may not have everything I have, but I bless you for my life. I thank you for the miracles in my life. I, 2016 was a difficult year, but I'm going to thank you anyway. And you begin to thank God. And you begin to declare God's promises. I am the head and not the tail. I shall do what God says I shall do. The word of God is in me. Begin to declare the promises of God. I am a lender and not a borrower. Greater is he that's in me than that's in the world. When the disruptions are coming, when the devil is telling you you're a loser, fight him with thanksgiving and declare God's promises. Fight him with thanksgiving and declare God's promises. Somebody shout thanksgiving. Somebody shout promises. Come on, shout it with everything in you. Thanksgiving. Promises. Thanksgiving. Promises. When everything is going wrong, when, when hell is breaking loose, declare thanksgiving and promises. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. As you continue to declare God's thanksgiving and God's promises, you mount up with wings. You mount up. Somebody shall mount up. You mount up before you realize all the chaos, all the confusion, and all the disruptions, and all the interruptions begin to fade away, and your spirit begins to connect with God. 
and you mount up with things, the next thing that happens is you're in the inner courts. You're in the next level. You're in the next level. And sadly, a lot of people never get to this place. Because instead of declaring God's promises, you allow the devil to use you to prophesy doom over yourself. You're cursing yourself. Stop the complaining. When you're confused, don't say anything. Declare thanksgiving. God, I thank you. I thank you for my father. I may not understand this sickness, but I thank you. God, I may not understand why this marriage is struggling, but I thank you for life today. I thank you for my kids. God, I declare your promises. Your word says. Your word says. I thank you, God. Your word says. I thank you, God. That's why David says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And then I will enter his courts with praise. You begin to declare the goodness of God, then before you realize you're in this next level. And people of God, if you can, if you can. And here's something else I do. When the devil's reminding me all these things that I didn't do, I take a little paper and pen and I begin to, to do a checklist. I begin to write everything. Because if the devil is going to disrupt me, I might as well take advantage of him. I make my checklist right here. But if you continue pressing, you find yourself in this level. And all of a sudden, there's a new energy. There's a new strength. You're praying away and you've got this energy. You're praying. You're believing God. Prayer becomes sweet. But then, somebody say, but then. Then you get into another level. You get into another level. And this, there's a dark cloud that sets in. There's this deep sense of fatigue that comes in. One moment you're celebrating and you're crossing over. And then something hits you again. Because you're in this next level. There's a heaviness. All of a sudden, there's a heaviness. All of a sudden, there's another confusion. And you're like, oh my God, I thought things were working. I thought things were happening. I thought, I thought we had victory. I thought, I, just when you thought things were getting good, it gets, you get hit by something else. Here in the, in the inner courts, I want to speed up here. There are three things in the inner courts. Three things, write this. Number one, say bread. There's a tab table with bread. And number two, there's the menorah. It's also known as the golden candlestick. Uh, nothing crazy. It's simply a candlestick, a candle stand that has seven candles. It's known as the menorah. The, the Jewish people call it the menorah. But it's called the golden candlestick. And the other thing that's in the inner courts is called the, the altar of incense. The altar of incense. The altar of incense. Three things. What do these three things stand for? I'm going to take a little time here. The bread stands for the scripture yet again. When you get to this level, begin to declare God's word. That's why the Bible says, I've hidden God's word in my heart so I may have victory and good success. Begin to proclaim the bread of life, the scripture. And then the menorah, the golden stick, the candles, simply stands for the Holy Spirit because they would crush olives and they would create this oil, this pure this unadulterated oil, pure oil, and they would light up these candles. Stands for the Holy Spirit. For those of you that have the gift of praying in a heavenly language, this is where you begin to engage in, in mysteries of heaven. You begin to speak in this heavenly language. And, and I want to say sorry to people who come from denominations where they've been put off by crazy, charismatic, and Pentecostal people who exercise these spiritual gifts out of order and without protocol, and it's turned you off. But for, for those that have received this gift, 
to when you're in this inner courts, the way you break through these barriers is you begin to engage in the Holy Spirit. You tune into the Holy Spirit. And then the incense, the incense, the altar of incense stands for intercession. This is where you turn your attention away. You, you, you turn your attention away from yourself when you focus on other people. The reason some of us won't ever get into the holies of holies is because we focus on ourselves way too much. I, I, I'm in trouble. I am this. Have you noticed that every time you complain, you start with I? I this and I that and I this and I that and I this. And before you realize you're more and more depressed and you're heading in the wrong direction. But when you're in this place... Begin to pray for somebody else. That's what intercession is. You begin to stand in the gut for somebody else who's going through something worse than you're going through. If you think you're going through issues, there's somebody else who's going through worse than what you're going through. Take their attention away from yourself and pray for somebody else. So I begin to pray. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for Juan and Jeline and Adrian and Sophia. Bless their kids. Increase them. God, I pray for Bobby and Lisa and Christian and... and and faith, God, I pray in the name of Jesus for Femi and Shion, baby David. God, I pray for Adrian, Detaria, and Bryson, and Amaya Grace. God, bless their kids. God, I pray for Anthony and Maggie and Sean and Courtney. Oh, God, send Sean to Harvard University. God, I declare in the name of Jesus. I pray for those people who were persecuted in Iraq last week. God, I pray for those mothers. Father, that mother I saw on the news that lost her baby in New Hampshire, I pray for her. Would you, would you heal her, oh, God? Father, I pray for those amputees of the Boston Marathon bombing. Father, help them. They've got no legs. Bless them. God, help them. You take the attention from yourself and complaining and you bless somebody else. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. We need to rise up. You take your attention from yourself. There's issues in your marriage. If there's trouble, find somebody with more trouble than what you have and begin to bless them. You're struggling financially. Find, make a sandwich and go on the street. Take the focus outside of yourself and bless somebody else. Make some sandwiches and bring them to some homeless people. That's intercession. That's standing on the gut for somebody else. And before you realize, they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. As you continue to press with the bread, with the scripture, pressing with the menorah, praying in the Holy Spirit and intercession right here in the inner course and you continue to press and press before you realize you mount up with wings as eagles and you are in the most holy place. I believe that very few believers reach this place in prayer, especially in, the, in these developed nations. Because if you treat prayer like downloading an iTunes song, you're never going to reach there. Because your mentality will tell you that if it's not happened already, there's got to be something wrong and you walk away. Prayer is not warming up a meal in a microwave. It's like making a meal in a crock pot. Now, when you reach this holies of holies, people of God, this is the place of God's glory. There's one thing in here. The only thing that's here is the Ark of the Covenant. That's the voice of God. Here's what I've realized. If you can press enough, if you can press through the interruptions and disruptions, if you can press through this darkness here if you can get into the most holy place what happens is there's a holy hush that comes there's a silence you're praying you're in this deep prayer yet you're not even speaking words anymore 
Because it's God this time who's speaking to you. Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. The climax of prayer happens when God begins to speak back to you. You lay there in God's presence.